with the Cardian Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Edward Ashen. Dude. No. <laughs> you asshole. Wait, uh, Judge Shaw here. Let Judge, me talk to you for a moment. <laughs> Judge Shaw. Don't scream. <laughs> we have 2007's Dead Silence for our ghosty ghost month i came up with the name that i wish we would have used but then i realized that when we do this again we're not going to wait till december we're going to do it in september and yeah we'll just use it then we'll tell you the name then but not yeah, now so just hang out till next september yeah because i think i think we yeah, you'll discover that we really liked we, we realized that when we out of all the themed months we really had a plethora of titles for this month because there's so many subgenres to ghost movies yeah. But this is a James Wan and Lee Winnell's follow-up to the original Saw from three years earlier. And you have to ask yourself, why did it take three years to make yeah, this Yeah, Corey, why did this take so long to get to theaters? Because Universal has their fingers in the pot and they want to say, hey, I went to a business school, so I know about storytelling. And then they fuck with the production, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, to the point that that going forward, Lee would now wouldn't wouldn't he wouldn't go in and pitch anymore. He would just work on spec, and uh, even though they were in a position now because of Saw, they could just pretty much go on any pitch meeting. And they, they were doing the Waddle Bottle tour like a motherfucker, but and that was of course years before they built up the work that they have with the Insidious series, the Conjuring series. I mean. Sh- if you want to start a horror franchise, you're knocking on this these guys' doors. You're pitching them now. They're not pitching the studios anymore. You know what I feel? It's weird. Like, I didn't even think about that until you just said it. But I feel like this movie, because of the troubled production, and it's kind of like that forgotten film. I feel like they just kind of went, you know what, we can make this. Let's make it better. And <laughs> they made Annabelle. <laughs> right. In, in a lot of ways, it's true. When you when you hear first hear the title of the movie, right? The you, the trailer doesn't touch on this, but they touch on it. You you learn in that first scene, right? That very first yeah. the first scene, the sound design is killer. Where the sound yeah. just you think there's something wrong with your ears. You're like trying to pop your ears or something. The way they bring down the whole entire soundtrack is to the point where you're like going, is something wrong with my sound system? Now, if you saw it in the theater, you would think something's wrong with your sound. But then you hear just enough little sound effects to realize that, oh, wait, this is on purpose. Yeah. And it's very, very effective. It's like when you hear the name of the title of the movie, then it's like it clicks with you when you have that moment. You're like, oh, I see what you're doing. All right. Mm-hmm. And they were doing that kind of stuff early on, Lee and James, where their the titles of their movies were like, oh, you think Saw is, oh, I got to saw my foot off. No, it's Jigsaw. And then you kind of learn on the things that's really why it's called Saw. Same thing with this. You realize why it's called Dead Silence pretty quick. But before we can get into us dancing around the plot so we don't ruin anything for anybody, just there, there's some key points that we talked about pre-mic and I wanted to, to touch on them a little bit beforehand. We're going to step on that again. There is some decent makeup in this. Yeah. For the kills, pretty good stuff. But I think the standout, and I'm glad it, it was effective and really well done, are the puppets. Oh, yeah. The design of the puppets feel, still feel like traditional ventriloquist puppets, but then they just kind of take it an extra step where you just look at it and you just go, that's, that's fucking evil. Yeah. And the main puppet, Billy, and since you brought up Annabelle, tell me they're not like descendants of each oh. other. 
Dude, I mean, y- yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I didn't think about it until, right, like I said, when you just said that, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they made Annabelle, too. <laughs> yeah. Like you noted. You could tell there's things that they wanted to do in there and where the continuity wasn't there for the story. There's, it gets it kind of a little abrupt. I got to tell you, because I, I watched it with Joe and he had never seen it before. I'm like, sit down and watch this with me because I know he would, I know he would dig it. And I was just telling you, the more he talks to a horror movie, the more anxious he's getting about it. Like, so I know it's being, I know it's an effective movie. So every time stuff ramps up and, and then he, I didn't point it out to him, but it was after the second kill or during the second moment when the sound design does what it does, he goes, Oh, it clicked with him. Like why it was called that. And then of course, every time that happened again, after that, he was just chatty Kathy if you will, since we're talking about dolls. Yeah. yeah. Talking Tina. Talking <laughs> Tina. He loved the movie. He's actually, the only thing I'm thinking about, I can't remember, he's at, out of all of them, and I'm going to include Aquaman. He's seen Aquaman, which is James. He saw Upgrade, and that's it. I don't, I well, he might have seen one or two of, of the movies from the Conjuring universe. I can't really, really call but he really enjoyed this. He thought it was effective. It's, I kept reminding him, I said, you know, when this movie came out, you were you were like four months old. He goes, I was? Yeah, he was a baby. I remember us, Melody and I, getting a break and we us seeing this in the theater because we needed a break from the, the kid. First month or so that Joey was alive, he was at Children's Hospital. So, yeah. I'm, I'm only reason I'm bringing it up right now because he just turned 16 two days ago and I'm still trying to wrap my head around <laughs> the last 16 years. Since the kid was born. That's wacky. It goes fast, dude. It does. But that's what's fun now. He's at a great age where he can appreciate movies like this and just for their silliness and their, but but recognizing the silliness of it, but take, but then realizing once he settles into the silliness, he can take it seriously as, as the story is being told. And I mean, come on, with most horror movies, you can't really take it too seriously anyway. No, man, this is, I mean, this, like I said, this, this movie the plot. I mean, it, it's not that complicated, and it's no, all so it's very not. We've seen we've seen this before. This yeah. setup. It's it, but it's cool. That opening sequence with Laura Reagan and Quentin. Yeah, when they get the package. Right, right. It's funny because at first I, you know, who I thought she was. It like because I was like hadn't seen the movie in a long time, and I'm sitting there and I thought because I just watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I was like, is that Shannon Sossaman? Seriously. Well, here's the thing about Lauren Regan. It, her that pixie cut does not work for her. No, no, no. She's her neck is too long. It looked like she was wearing a wig. It it sort of did, and there, and it really it just didn't look right because she just she just has one of those figures that doesn't sell well with it with the shorter hair. But yeah, she looked like somebody else. She didn't look like herself, which was yeah, which was it was. I, I didn't recognize her, and I, I had to you know, and then I was like, no, that's not. And then I had to look it up and I was like, Oh God, of course it's good. But uh, dude, that, oh, I love the opening of this movie. Like where they, where they get the package. Yeah. They're having their weird, but it's weird because they kind of, <laughs> she said, there's something she says. And I, I was like, wow, this is just got weird. Are they brother and sister? <laughs> right. <laughs> because they kind of looked like they could be brother and sister. Right. I mean, if you look at them in that opening you're like, uh, they could be brother and sister. And then they're like, okay, they're not. Yeah. When she gets <laughs> offed, dude, holy shit. Yeah. That, that whole that whole sequence is so well done. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is like, you can tell where the studio got involved with the movie and it wasn't during the kills. All the kills were, they, you can, they were clearly left alone 
and they did what they wanted to do. That's why those moments are the most effective the entire movie. And that's why you're a little for, you're much more forgiving than the cookie cutter paint by numbers plot that we have here. And we've experienced their work before, you know, we, we know with saw and movies after that, their movies always, you can count on their movies, not playing it straight. There's always going to be a moment. It's not like M night where you're expecting a twist and it's not going to, it is going to suck. <laughs> you, they just kind of build up around it. So but it's funny because the ending of this movie with the reveal of the dad, and I'm going to say this because if you haven't seen this at this point, the movie fucking 15 Yeah, years come old, on. You're not giving anything away. That whole moment is very reminiscent of the reveal at the end of Saw. Again, Yeah, it's fucking 18 years old. When Jigsaw gets up off the floor and pulls off his, his, his makeup, it's it's like that kind of moment. It's almost like that. I'm waiting for that saw cue and to come in. But in case, and instead of that, we get a Charlie Clouser score in this movie, which really fits the entire movie really well. The reason why it sounds very familiar because Charlie did do the score for, geez, I think every Saw movie. Then I think he did like the first Saw all the way through. Yeah, all the way through Spiral. He was he did them all. He's done some really good scores, and the score works really well with this franchise. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't know Charlie Clouser, you know he's more of an electronic musician, a little on the heavy side. And of course, he worked on. Started working with Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor. With I think Downward Spiral was the first one. He worked with them for a lot of years. And he I don't know if he did he tour with them. I can't remember. I don't remember. He did stuff for Manson. He did stuff for Rob Zombie as a solo artist and White Zombie. He produced that. Well, starting with with Astro Keep 2000 was the first album that he did for them. That's right. And all the other little things in between. And then he did, I think he did all the zombie um, solo records, including all the remixes and stuff. So there you go. He still dabbles in games. And by his big way, video games. You're familiar with Silent Hill, right? From the first PlayStation Sure. This movie, Raven Falls, where the old town is where he grew up, it feels like Silent Hill. I mean, so much the town all broken down. When you get to that point, by the way, Joey was so funny. Like when the first time, he really liked those transitions though, when they're going map to map, Mm -hmm. or like where they're following his red car and everything. I thought that was really well done. But he made a comment like when you see Quentin later on in the hotel, for the, you see him at the hotel for the first time. Joey's like, where the hell was that hotel before? Because we saw the bridge, but we didn't see the hotel. I'm like, ah, it was just the camera angle, but it was there. I was looking at it like Sam Neill in the Mouth of Madness. See, you're, you do this on purpose because you know I haven't seen it. <laughs> because dude. you keep saying you're going to fucking see it. I know. fucking running out. Of, I just don't have any faith you ever are, so I have to ruin it for you. Stop Every By saying it, something. Stop it. From, come on. All right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, great. Again, there's lots of really surreal moments. That's why it feels a lot like a video game. It feels like Silent Hill a whole bunch for those moments. One of the things I want to talk about, and the production design is, dude, it's great. It's it's really good. That theater before and after is so fucking yeah. gorgeous. That whole swamp area, all that stuff is like, it's clearly they had, they had a lot of money put into that part of it because the rest of it seems pretty pedestrian. You know, just you could have been anywhere doing the cemetery scenes or right. them running around the woods, but 100%. Yeah, uh, that's Julie Berghoff, dude. Yeah. She's good. I yeah. mean, she's, well, she did, I mean, she did Saw and Death Sentence for them. And I, but I mean, more recently, I don't know what you think of the Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder movie, but she did that. And I think she did the, uh, that Jeff Bridges show. I mean, yeah, this movie, I mean, this, to me, this is the, up until they got 
thrown ridiculous money. This was like their best looking movie. This movie looks super cool. Yep. And if I was ever to meet those guys, my first question for them would be, did you guys model that scene after Mobby's Palace from right. Return to Oz? When you get to that moment where the first time Quentin goes to the theater, for some reason, I don't know why, but it reminded me of Porky's. Sort of. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, I can see it. When you think about the likely sources that, that people would have and getting inspired by, I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you think that was Porky's related? I mean, sure, why not? The two best things about the movie are the sound design. Well, three best things. Best are the sound design, the production design, especially the swamp and theater before and after. Oh, um, yeah. And and the puppets. Their puppets are fun. Because the gore in the movie, the makeup in the movie is always the same. Yes. The same effect that Mary has on the people that she kills. Just happens to be a different uh, performer that's wearing the makeup. But... The end of the movie, though, where you get to see there's more than just Billy as far as the puppets go. And fuck, so good. I just the reveal of all the puppets up in the attic of the of the old oh, theater. Yeah. And I love the makeup on Mary. I just love it so much. But tell me that scene didn't totally fuck with you when the, the old man is running the mortuary now tells a yep. story about when he was a kid and then oh yeah and, then yeah. Oh, fuck. and he climbs up on the he fucking dumps the coffin yeah Ugh. dude in that whole moment th- here's one thing i really love about their work especially this you do you get it a lot in the conjuring series but the way they use light and shadow so effectively sometimes late more i want to say lazier but another other, other directors out there and filmmakers that rely heavily on cg these guys are really big on getting in camera and so much of it is lighting. And they really play with their shadows really well on it. This is kind of the first one they really did that with. Kassad was a super bright movie when you think about it. Sure, it had a green tone, but the lights were always on. Yep. But this really has some wonderful dark moments. In there. And by the way, I want to talk about that. That Blu-ray transfer is fucking gold. Yeah. When you consider it's a 2007 release, when they're still trying to figure out the format, but the blackest of blacks because of how, again, how they use light and shadow. Usually sometimes back in 2007, I don't think you can probably agree with this. If you watch a disc from back then, sometimes you'd see a little bit of that pixelation because the, you know, there wasn't enough bandwidth given to the image. Fortunately, the movie's only 90 minutes long, even in this unrated version that you and I both watched. Yep. But when you only have a 91 minute movie, right? you're not worried about, running out of space on your single layer Blu-rays. But the movie looks great. It really does. It really shows all that production design we've been touting. And of course, and the sound design, like I said, it's it's just a simple 5-1 mix, but it sounds fucking great. It really does. Oh yeah, man. It's pretty impressive. It's funny because, again, I hadn't seen this since I saw it in uh, Montreal in a theater, like in March of 2007. Jeez. <laughs> that being said... I had, for, there, there were things I'd forgotten, like the bit, I totally forgot, you know, where they sort of give you the moment where she's on stage, you know, in the theater the first time and right. the kid calls her out. I totally forgot all about that scene. Right. I was like, <laughs> wait a second, did I go to popcorn? And then I was like, and I looked and I, when I, when I hit, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is where, when I'm in a fucking movie theater in 2007, I have to get up and go to the bathroom. I, it's the minute mark. So I, I missed that whole bit. 
for the last 13, whatever is it? What is it? 16 years, right? Yes. Yep. Joey's 16. Yeah. 16 years. <laughs> it took me to figure it to, to watch it again. There was that moment. I was like, holy fuck. I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and bringing that amazing visual delight is DP John Leonetti. And so we've talked about John before in lots of things. He's worked with James before. He did death sentence later on in the year. Insidious and Conjuring and the second Insidious movie. So he's, he did a lot of work for them. Uh, he hasn't done anything in a long time, even though he's only, he's still only 66 years old. I think he might have did some television recently, but he really does a great job of bringing this image to life. And he's, I mean, his filmography is all over the place. So he's, he did the mask for Chuck Russell. So he, you can see bright, super bright colors, but then he's proven here. And with the other movies he's done with James, he can make the dark look really good too. The, there uh, again, the soundtrack we, we spoke about briefly is again for the score for Charlie and for Charlie Clouser. It's there's a lots of cues in there's 31 cues in this movie. Wow, it's interesting to see somebody who's used to don't doing three and a half, four and a half minute songs like pop songs. I'm saying pop songs, but rock songs for Nine Inch Nails or Marilyn or wherever. But when you look at this, the, the longest cue on the entire thing that's not the main title is. A minute 57, it's very short. You got sometimes 30 second bites and typical score cues that you get. So it's surprising that somebody that is that, you know, more ingrained in long, functionally long form music, but typical rock music, pop era style durations surprises me he how well he adapted that to shorter form cues like that. But it's very effective. The, uh, when does Blu-ray come out? Like 2009? No, here's what's funny. This Dead Silence came out. The first release in the United States was May 2015. Well, I, well that's wild. It got, that's why it looks so fucking good. Oh, well, there you go. And it makes sense now because it was an ultraviolet insert. Gotcha. When it came out, it came out with, the Unraid version came out with HD DVD. And they never, they never switched the format because it was already, already ill-received. Right. So, but once James Wan got big, they brought it back and Universal put it out on Blu-ray. But yeah, after that May 2015, holy shit. I didn't even know Bizarre. that. Bizarre. Yeah, I would have guessed it was like an early Blu-ray. I love the, the last shot where you're seeing these old-timey photographs. Oh, yeah. Of everybody. And then again, I I like their movies. Well, you know, you make a note of Death Sentence doesn't live happily ever after. Neither does this. Neither does Saw. Yeah, but there's something about Death Sentence. Oh no, dude, no. That, there's, I mean, the whole the whole yeah. premise. You all you just know the premise, and that's enough. It's like yeah, it, it's pretty true to the book too. It's 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 hardcore. I, that's what. <laughs> by the way, I think that's so great too. I think some of the struggles that James had making this movie is why he said, I'm going to go ahead and do this other thing where all I'm going to do is just go in and direct. I'm not going to co-write it. I'm not going to write it. I'm not going to produce it. I'm just going to go in there and just direct this shit. Cause he needed a break from having, being too involved in something and then have other people come in there and go, no, I don't want to, I don't, we're not doing that. And that's what happened with this movie. But once they blew up with insidious, then they were again, 100% calling the shots and they could do whatever they wanted to. It makes you wonder what could they have done? What, you know, what would have been different with this? How much of what they did here carried over in Annabelle? Because you can feel that. I mean, obviously not just 
the fact that they look like their their blood relatives, Annabelle and Billy. True. They were lucky enough to go going forward. They didn't have to hire Donnie Wahlberg anymore for anything. <laughs> and I'm saying that, of course, and he's actually the lead in, in Saw 2. So. Right, right. <laughs> Is it just me or or they just they, they were just too early in the career? They couldn't say no. <laughs> I guess, man. I mean, uh, I, again, totally forgot he was in the movie until I texted you. Yeah. Like I said, 16 years. <laughs> And that, that that electric razor gag, I feel oh. like it was lifted from like Kolchak, the Night Stalker. <laughs> you know that also sounds like a vibrator, by the way. I know, but that's why I make sure I had one where you can hear the, the, the you can hear the whiskers cutting. You got to shave yourself with it while you're doing it. There, there, you can hear. See whiskers. There you go. I mean, whisker it, could, it up. It, it could be pubes too. Getting yeah. There you go. <laughs> The Remington classic. Oh, shit. Dead silence. <laughs> Dead silence. <laughs> well, look, I mean, dude, the movie is, I mean, it's a ghost story. Yeah, again, I mean, are we, are we, do we care about spoiling things? Well, no, <laughs> no. This okay, but this, but this is the point I was talking about before the very beginning. We're kind of like dancing around it. Uh, there's lots of subgenres to a ghost story. And this is yeah. definitely one that's very, it's, Story-wise, yes, we've seen it before, but there's enough uniqueness to it. We're like kind of going, yeah, this is, it's its own thing. It borrows enough, but it also puts enough of its own spin on it to, to make it more enjoyable and it doesn't feel so paint by the numbers, even though it's got those moments. But, you know, you have to when you're making a studio movie for the first time. This is what you get. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, isn't it, it's, it's okay to go to the well if oh, you know, something yeah. works and you can, you know, just put your spin on it and you put your spin on it and you make it a little bit different or a little bit better or a little bit worse sometimes. <laughs> but Well, yeah. I think horror more than any other genre. Oh, right. People who love horror like us will watch the same fucking movie. Right. We just want more of what we want, right? So right. there's nothing wrong with retelling a, a ghost story and putting a little spin on it, you know? I, I had never seen it this way. You know, these are guys that built the whole Saw franchise, but they didn't just do the Saw franchise where everybody wants to see all the gore. They built up two different franchises completely based on spirits and ghosts and hauntings. Yep. That's fucking crazy. The fact that they did the insidious four insidious movies with a fifth one on the way. Another con, they did four conjuring movies, uh, four, three conjuring movies and another one on the way. You know, you got your haunted doll with Annabelle. You got your spinoff from that from with the nun. You have yep. so much going on here just from that one movie. And even though we go back and see these movies because we like what we like and we want more of the same thing again, returning to the well, they still do what they did with this movie and they took a little bit of that water from the well, but they also took water from other wells too. So it's, they still make it unique in a lot of ways. And that's why those movies are so successful because they find what works and then they just build on it. They don't do crazy shit. I really don't think we're going to find Annabelle in space at any point. Do you? I mean, that's no, not I like, hope not. Well, I mean, maybe I hope so. I mean, but I mean, <laughs> only if a kid brings her like their doll. Right. I don't want her just to show up there like, hey, wow, we're packing all the uh, freeze-dried meat. How'd this doll get in here? <laughs> and I'm not knocking Jason X. I love it. I think it's just- Or Leprechaun in space. I thought you were going to Leprechaun No, no, no. So it did, I guess it's, but it, the, my point still applies for both of them. Yeah. Come on, dude. It's Leprechaun in space. Leprechaun and back to the hood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. Jason X. No one has any illusions about what they're doing. They know what they're doing. 
I mean, when Todd Farmer shows up with the script of Jason in space, it's like, well, fucking A, dude. Yep. I'm in. And they have some great moments that they play on the original 80s movie. The same thing with this. that They, they even mock themselves in later Conjuring movies and Insidious movies to kind of goof on themselves a little bit. But that's the thing. It's like these guys never take themselves too seriously. And you start doing that, no. then, I mean, then you're not having fun anymore. And then if you can't enjoy yourself at the level that these guys play at, then you're never going to enjoy yourself. You work hard to get there. and But every once in a while, you do something like what James Wan did last year and makes Malignant for, he makes a movie he would have made back in 2007, but with, with, you know, with $2020. $20. Thank you, Warner Brothers. Jeez. $2020, y'all. It's great watching this because you can really see the starting point of what the insidious movies going. You can, you could tell the really the, the love they have for telling ghost stories, haunted house stories, because how much they did of that after this. Even in between all these franchises, they're doing things like upgrades. They're doing things like malignant. So they, they get so big enough to where James Wan's making an Aquaman movie. It's like these guys are having a good time doing what they're doing. There's no question about it. No. And even once in a while, you know, Lee Winnell will make that Invisible Man movie. And like, again, you don't have to like it. It shouldn't have been called an Invisible Man, like we talked about during the Mummy episode. <laughs> but you take that away, you can call it something different. And it works just fine. Your expectations of it being an Invisible Man when you get there is like, okay. Their track record speaks for itself. Upgrades a fucking blast. Is it, again, borrowing? Is it a RoboCop? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. But it's its own thing. It's, and it's, right. It does a great job of it. That's just, that's what Dead Silence is. They're great at making, uh, uh, I don't want to say a tired genre, but a well worn genre and well worn setup and work. Is it great? No, but is it fucking fun? Yes, Fuck yeah, it is. Totally. And what makes it fun, like, is the things we talked about. Great puppet design. Yeah. You know, the makeup is very limited. Good scares, wonderful production design, wonderful work with the white and shadow. Just I know, dude. The actors are all on the same page, except for one. Guy. Okay, except for one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not gonna. I'm, and look at this. I'm not, dude. I'm sorry. I am not gonna squelch myself. Donnie Wahlberg is a terrible actor. Does it matter if it's Blue Bloods now or if it's like, the only time I'm ever gonna give him credit? The one time. Is uh, him playing the the dude that kills himself at the beginning of Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about right? that. Right? Yeah. And it works because he doesn't say very much. He just cries the whole time. I think he dropped like 25 pounds. So that <laughs> to look like he's super sickly. By the way, if that's the first time you see him in anything, because it was, a, I think it was the first time he had acted, at least, you know, outside of a new Kids in the Block video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. But I, I thought, man, he really brought it. He, he, when method lost all that weight and I thought he was really, really solid. And then again, it's not much, but it's so effective to where I didn't know it was him until after I'd already seen the movie and someone goes, can you believe that was Wahlberg? And I'm like, which one? Where? Yeah. That was really surprising to me. You thought, all right, he's going to do something good. No, he didn't do anything good. Dude, everybody in this, like the, the rest of the cast, they're so playing that small town curse. Oh, yeah. Weirdo energy. They're all so good at it. That's what makes this movie fun. Right. Is, you know, Bob Gunton and Amber, Amber Valletta. They, they just, they're, dude, they're doing that whole classic weird small town. Like, and everybody plays it perfect. And then Quentin and Wahlberg are the, uh, you know, it's perfect. They're playing against everybody else's cursed village type and one non-believer and then one, I don't know what to believe her. 
All right. <laughs> yeah, but the movie's super fun. And that's yeah. what that's what I got from it watching it the second time was is it great? Is it is it masterpiece? No, it's not, but it's fucking so much fun. Yeah. You know, that I don't know what the history or what their version of it, but this is a pretty fun version, man. I mean, it's flawed, but right. it was a fun watch. Judith Roberts, who plays Mary Shaw, she's don't say Mary Shaw. Yeah, what do you do that you have to call her Judge Shaw? Judge Shaw. That's what you got to call her, Judge Shaw. Judge Shaw. I mean, she did a, a long stretch of Orange is the New Black also. Wow. She's one of the golden girls on that. Yeah, dude, the cast on this is like dope, dude. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, again, with, with the exception we just noted, you know, like we mentioned Michael Fairman earlier playing Henry Walker, who runs the, the mortuary. His wife is Joan Henney playing Marion. Right. Just kind of losing her mind. The small town aspect. I mean, how many people in the small town though, right? You've got Quentin's dad, right? Right. You've got... Stepmom. Stepmom. You know, Amber Valletta playing Ella. Ella, I think her name was. Ella Ashen. Ella, Ella, Ella. So we already mentioned Bob Gunn, Fairman, Henny. And that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. Everybody else is in the town right after, or in the city, I should say. Yes. After Lisa Ashen has met her fate, the very first Correct. person to, to fault of Billy. I mean, has, is it though? Hey. Is, is it Billy though? Is it Billy? Is it, is it Mary inside of Billy? There was, there was never kind of clear. No. And, but even, weren't. but when you see that, I what if, she was an extension to all the puppets, like she had her finger. I mean, if, if they were like, you know, coming off her hands, <laughs> her, her tongue, <laughs> her tongue. Her the tongue. only part of this movie that I hate <laughs> Is that fucking clown, dude? When it's talking shit. Oh, dude, I love that crap. Oh, I just hate. I but, hate it. It's not because I hate clowns. I just it. Oh, I just I don't know it. The, that moment, by the way, when Quentin comes in and the clown doll says, "I'm going to whisper in your ear." <laughs> it's pretty hilarious, dude. It's the great. Tongue. But the way they frame the shot, I swear to you, I was waiting for Mary's. I still, even today, tonight, watching it, I was waiting for Mary's face to come in out of the shadows in between them, right? Because there was there was so much space given. But then what you eventually see is her hands cover come her. Well, the tongue comes through first, right? Yep. And licks the tongue his face. comes through, yeah. And then, and by the, the way, hands. CG in 2007 usually doesn't look that good. No, not at all. When you when you see the saliva of the tongue kind of hanging off, yeah, where it sticks, where it sticks to him, it's really that's really well done, freaking. But there is some CG in this that is fucking terrible, and it was I was like, ugh. it was like we talked about with the other movies. Uh, mid to early, uh, those are the mid to late 07s and I should say the aughts into the early. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's when all the dolls are coming alive and her face is kind of like CG yep. pushing. It was just, they should have just let the eyes come in. Yeah, totally. And just left it alone. Because right up to that point, you're you're in the movie and it, and it takes you out of it a little bit. It's kind of, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a bummer. But you, you forgive it because the ride getting there is pretty great. Yeah. And it's not the last thing you see to close out the movie. No. And it kind of makes up for itself when uh, he gets back to mansion a la Ashen and you get that big reveal with Bob Gunton, with step, <laughs> with stepmommy dearest and dad. <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. 
by the way, that tell me that's not a great bite too at the end. Who's the dummy now? And she's <laughs> so good. Dude, it's fucking great, dude. Usually those kind of campy lines don't work and it just is no. so effective here. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 like I said, it's because you buy into all the performances. They're yep. fun. Yeah. This this was on the short list of the, uh, well, the short long list of ghost movies for, um, yeah, man, I'm glad we did this one because I, like I said, I hadn't seen it yeah. in 16 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, also we're not hundred percent sure when that first episode of the new year is going to come out because of holidays and family time and, uh, possibly new movies coming up that, that kind <laughs> of hinder, mm-hmm. hinder things a little bit, but we're not going to say anything. Knock on, knock on wood. I got to go shave. <laughs> Hold on <laughs> a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shave really quick before the end of the episode. I'll be right back. Oh yeah. You looking at me? Uh-huh. Make sure you get your ass. Are you shaving a V into your back? <laughs> My initials. We just put a C, just put one C because it fills in the blank for all three of my Yeah, names. see, this was funnier than the whole razor bit, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> just that bit right there, funnier yeah. than the entire, every time we saw that. <laughs> see, when, he's, when he's dead and it's just fucking the razors next to him, the, even Joey goes, just, just starts laughing, he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it is very funny. I can't even stop laughing about it right now at the moment. It's not even, dude, it's not even endearing like Brad Pitt eating no. on screen all the time. No. It's just stupid. No. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he just went, I should take some acting classes. And he took some acting classes and somebody dumb, some dumbass he paid and said, <laughs> hey, you want to, you need to have props. You need a prop. What would you like to use more than anything? A razor. I could just see his rep calling up James Wan and saying, no, he's going to do that. And if you're not, we're going to call the studio. <laughs> maybe that's, hey, look, <laughs> maybe, that's the, was maybe that's what happened with the movie. That was the production problem. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? Good Lord. All right. Detective Lipton was supposed to live, but he had to insist on using his fucking razor all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, one hand on his gun, one hand on his razor. Uh, anyway, so letterboxed at Corey underscore Culp at Karate Pod for letterboxed for blah, shit. Instagram still on the Twitter. No, we're not posting anything. And that's that. Damn it. Ghost movies. Ghost movies. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at rockandrollo 33 on your Instagram. Or you can follow me at Warden Norton at letterbox.com. That's Warden Norton. 